Good morning, everybody. It's great to be here today at the end of the school year to celebrate with our Sunday school, to give thanks with the children and with the leaders, for the children and for the leaders. Can I just do one little bit of advertising as well? Last week, we used the um, BMS Undefeated material for our service, and I said that the campaign postcards were stuck in the post. They have finally reached me, and they are on your chairs. Please do take them away with you. If you feel so led, fill them in and either post them back yourself or bring them back to church, and we can post them all off together. It's a really important campaign that Christians across the UK, and Baptist Christians in particular, are getting behind. Our call to worship comes from Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of God's hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens he has pitched a tent for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming forth from his pavilion, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. Our opening prayer this morning is adapted from the material produced by the National Christian Education Council in their Roots Worship material. So you need to listen carefully because there's a lot of the sentences where I will say something and I want you to join me in saying, I am in God's family. Can we just have a practice of that? I am in God's family. Fabulous. Let's pray together. When I wake up in the morning, I am in God's family. When I get washed and dressed, I am in God's family. When I eat my breakfast, I am in God's family. When I go to nursery or school, to work or to the shops, I am in God's family. When I am with my friends, I am in God's family. When I dance or play football, I am in God's family. When I watch television or go for a walk, I am in God's family. When nighttime comes, I am in God's family. When I go to my bed, I am in God's family. What's it like to be in your family, God? Is there fighting and stropping? Is there grabbing and kicking? Do we have to do chores and tidy our rooms? Will you shout and get angry? Will you help us with our homework or our housework? Will you show us wonders and take us on adventures? Will you love us no matter what and help us to be all you mean us to be? 
in all of life. We are in God's family. With Jesus as our brother and the Holy Spirit as our comforter. Thank you, God, for making all of us part of your family. Amen. We love stories in Sunday school, especially stories that help us think about who we are and how we love God and how God loves us and to work those kind of things out. Those big ideas, sometimes stories can really help us with them. And what we wanted to do this morning is share with you some of the things that we've been thinking about over the past year. And we're going to start with one of the stories that we spent some time working on right at the beginning of 2012. And I'm going to ask Freya to come and she's going to read about this particular story. And then we're also going to... We get that a nice height. And we're also going to show you some of the things that we made. Because we quite often we make things to help us understand and to imagine what our stories are about and how they affect us. So we're going to show you some of the things we've made as well. In the beginning, the earth was made round and blue and beautiful. Earth was spinning bright and new and beautiful in space. In the beginning, the earth was full of gifts, oceans and seas splashing and crashing. Valleys and mountains dipping, soaring, animals and plants creeping, springing. And all the peoples of the earth living and talking together. The earth and everything in it was beautiful. You guys are all going to stay there because we've got a game to play with everyone in a minute. As well as thinking about God's creation, we think about ourselves and everyone we know, all the people in the world, how God made each of us different and unique and special to him. We have many things in common, but we're all different and can do different things. So now... The Sunday school can just sit down here on the floor. And this is a game for everyone. It starts off quite easy. I want you to stand up if, if you have blue eyes. And have a wee look around and see Everyone else that's got blue eyes, they all look different, but they've all got blue eyes. Okay, everyone sit back down. I want you to stand up if you wear glasses. Okay, quite a few different people and some people who wear glasses but don't have them on today, I notice. Ah. 
Okay. Um, I want you to stand up if you have curly hair. <laughs> People are quite hesitant. Come on. Let's embrace our curly hair. <laughs> we should be proud that we've got hair. Okay. Have you got any ideas of ones you'd like to do? Hair colour. So, do you want to... Um, Stand up if you've got blonde hair. So, blondies. Where are our blondies? Rory, that's you. You need to get up. You've got lovely blonde hair. Yeah, there's a few of them around. Okay. Um... What else could we do? Have you got an idea? Stand up if you have brown hair. Brown hair this time. <laughs> Few more people with brown hair. Okay. Anyone else got a suggestion they would like to use? Carl. Um, stand up if you have white hair. <laughs> <laughs> White hair. He's noticed that there's a couple, maybe. And we've got people who are being honest about their natural colour and uh, that which is given a wee bit of a helping hand. Did you have one, Fergus? Have you got something? Stand up if you've got shoes on. That's a really good one. There's maybe a couple of boot wearers amongst us, but... I think lots of people have got shoes. Shoes, Aidan's not. He's taken his off. Okay, I'm. I'm going. I'm going to do one. Um, stand up if you can do this. It's interesting, isn't it? Because that's something that you just you can either do or you can't do. It's just what your body, the genes in you, allow to happen. We've got another game that we play that we're going to teach you all. And you might find it a bit difficult, but I hope you will enter into it and give it a shot. You might not be able to do everything, but you'll just, you'll see what I mean. So we all need to stand up and I'm going to put this down. God made me and God made you. me. God made me. 
Let's just pray for a moment. Thank you, God, that you made each of us so special and that you love us. Thank you for our eyes, our ears, our mouth and feet. Help us to love you too. Amen. I'm going to tell you a story now. Stand up if you know this lovely book. I bet a lot of people know it, yeah? Okay. Do you want the boys and girls want to come and sit down here and I'll try and tell you the story and show you the pictures at the same time, yeah? Who knows who can remember the name of the giraffe in this book? What's it called? Gerald. Gerald. Okay, so this is Gerald. Because I'll not be able to show him all the time to everybody. So here's Gerald. Gerald was a tall giraffe whose neck was long and slim, but his knees were awfully bandy and his legs were rather thin. He was very good at standing still and munching shoots off trees, but when he tried to run around, he buckled at the knees. Now, every year in Africa, they hold a jungle dance where every single animal turns up to skip and prance. And this year, when the day arrived, poor Gerald felt so sad because when it came to dancing, he was really rather bad. The warthogs started waltzing and the rhinos rock and rolled. The lions danced a tango, which was elegant and bold. The chimps all did a cha-cha-cha with a very Latin feel and eight baboons then teamed up for a splendid Scottish reel. Gerald swallowed bravely as he walked towards the floor, but the lions saw him coming, and they began to roar. Hey, look at clumsy Gerald, the animals all laughed. Giraffes can't dance, you silly fool. Oh, Gerald, don't be daft. Gerald simply froze up. He was rooted to the spot. They're right, he thought. I'm useless. Oh, I feel like such a clot. So he crept off from the dance floor and he started walking home. He'd never felt so sad before, so sad and all alone. Then he found a little clearing and he looked up at the sky. The moon can be so beautiful, he whispered with a sigh. <coughs> Excuse me, coughed a little cricket who'd seen Gerald earlier on. But sometimes when you're different, you just need a different song. Listen to the swaying grass and listen to the trees. To me, the sweetest music is those branches in the breeze. So imagine that the lovely moon is playing just for you. Everything makes music if you really want it to. With that, the cricket smiled and picked up his violin. Then Gerald felt his body do the most amazing thing. His hooves had started shuffling, making circles on the ground, and his neck was gently swaying, and his tail was swishing round. He threw his arms out sideways, and he swung them everywhere, and then he did a backward somersault and leapt up in the air. Gerald felt so wonderful, his mouth was open wide. I'm dancing! Yes, I'm dancing! I am dancing! Gerald cried. Then one by one, each animal who'd been there at the dance arrived while Gerald boogied on and watched him quite entranced. They shouted, It's a miracle! We must be in a dream. Gerald's the best dancer that we have ever seen. 
I said, you can dance like that. Please, Gerald, tell us how. But Gerald simply twizzled round and finished with a bow. Then he raised his head and looked up at the moon and stars above. We all can dance, he said, when we can find music that we love. That's one of our favourite stories. And I think that when you're little, sometimes it can be hard growing up sometimes. Sometimes it can be hard to discover how to be the person you are. And can I tell you a secret? Sometimes when you're grown up, it can be hard to discover how to be the person you are as well. Now, we're a very small Sunday school. I don't think we can deny that. And today we're even a wee bit smaller, aren't we? But I think we're a very special Sunday school. Because in our Sunday school, each person is different. And each person cares for each other person. And at the beginning, we have news time. And each person listens and looks forward to hearing what everybody else has been up to. And misses the people that aren't with us. And thinks about the people that can only come sometimes. And at the end of Sunday school, I hear each person thanking the Sunday school teachers and I see them coming out and getting some yummy biscuits and cake and running up the top and having a wonderful game together. I don't know what it is. Sometimes they're in space. Sometimes they're under the sea. Quite often they're on a train. And I think we have a wonderful Sunday school. And I know the church do too. And that they wanted to give you some books like they normally do this time of year. So... Ray, would you like to come and give a book to, let's see who this one is for, Rory, could you give him a little respect, please? And Sarah, could you come and give this book to Aidan, please?
Can we thank all our Sunday school leaders and all our fresh leaders as well for all that they do to ensure that our children are welcomed, affirmed, and encouraged in their own journeys of faith. Let's thank all the leaders. first Bible reading this morning is from Proverbs chapter 3, first six verses. My child, don't forget what I teach you. Always remember what I tell you to do. My teaching will give you a long and prosperous life. Never let go of loyalty and faithfulness. Tie them round your neck. Write them on your heart. If you do this, Both God and people will be pleased with you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Never rely on what you think you know. Remember the Lord in everything you do, and he will show you the right way. And the second reading from the New Testament is Mark chapter 9, verses 30 to 37. Jesus and his disciples left that place and went on through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where he was because he was teaching his disciples. The Son of Man will be handed over to those who will kill him. Three days later, however, he will rise to life. But they did not understand what this teaching meant, and they were afraid to ask him. They came to Capernaum, and after going indoors, Jesus asked his disciples, What were you arguing about on the road? But they would not answer him, because on the road they had been arguing among themselves about who was the greatest. Jesus sat down, called the twelve disciples, and said to them, Whoever wants to be first must place himself last of all and be the servant of all. Then he took a child and had him stand in front of them. He put his arms around them and said to them, Whoever welcomes in my name one of these children welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes not only me, but also the one who sent me. Amen. I wonder if the children would like to go up on the stage. We've got some colouring and some cutting out and things that you can do up there. Or you can stay and listen to me talk if you like. And if the grown-ups feel like they want to go and do some cutting and colouring out, that's fine. Or they can listen to me talk as well. I'm just looking around and thinking who was here three years ago. There are some people who three years ago had never heard of Hillhead Baptist Church. And there were some people here who have been here for an awful lot longer than three years ago. As near as makes no odds, three years ago, a decision was made in this church regarding the direction in which we, or was it then you, thought that God was leading us in terms of mission and ministry. Because it is three years ago to this weekend that you called me to be your minister. Now, for me, that's gone really quickly. For you, it might seem like an awfully long time. I don't know. In some senses, it feels like I've always been here. And I think, for me, 
that's a good thing. But three years ago, as part of the conversations we had, I shared some thoughts about the way we work with and for children. I shared some aspirations. I would like to be quite heavily involved with the work of Sunday school as well as with the work of the church, with the adults. And whilst we have made some progress in that direction and we have implemented some of the ideas we have agreed to, particularly in terms of increasing the frequency of our all-age services, not everything has yet come to fruition for all sorts of good reasons, some of them which we could not have foreseen. But it seems right that as we celebrate and give thanks for a year just past, we also pause necessarily briefly to think about what the Bible has to say about our commitment to children and to think about where we go forwards in our church from here. I have said many times, and those who were at the Philosophy Cafe a fortnight ago three weeks ago, whenever it was, will have been reminded that in ancient times, the idea of childhood, as we now conceive it, didn't exist. In fact, children were considered to be of little or no use until they were old enough to be gainfully employed. Our philosophy cafe speaker, Mark Lambert, used the phrase of worker bees. He said education was about providing worker bees for the mills or the mines or whatever it was. But actually, even way back in Bible times, that's really what children were about. You needed to train them up to work on the farm, to catch fish, to weave fabric, to make houses or to be the servants of the religious practices in the temple. A little child had no intrinsic value in herself or himself. And against such a backdrop then, Jesus welcoming children, and more specifically, and this is where the authorised version is very helpful, setting a child in the midst of the crowd as an example is radical and countercultural. The trouble is, you see, that the culture in which we live, that shock value is gone. The 21st century in the West has spawned a whole industry of childhood. There are special clothes for children, toys, books, activities, places to go on holiday aimed at children, food marketed directly at children, and so on and so forth. Child-centred approaches to education and learning abound and in some cases are predicated on the freedom of a child to choose their own way forward, to choose the activities that she enjoys or the subjects that interest him. The way that we experience childhood, the way our children experience childhood, is not remotely similar to how it was in Jesus' time. The rights of the child enshrined in the United Nations declarations to shelter, to clothing, to warmth, food, healthcare, education and safety, not one of those rights was recognised back then. When times were tough and infant mortality was high, children, frankly, were expendable. But Jesus valued children. 
specifically little children, and called us to do the same. So how do we put the child at the centre of our church, if that is what we honestly believe Jesus says to us? How do we take his words seriously and apply them here at Hill Head? How do we actually live out that lovely thing that we all say that becomes rather twee, if we're honest? Children are the church of today, not just the church of tomorrow. How do we create an environment where our children grow into an owned faith that holds them in church, rather than they just disappear off when they reach their teens? For me, these are very real questions, questions I wrestle with regularly and that have actually informed some of the thinking behind some of the things that we as a church have agreed to try starting in the autumn. For anybody who wasn't able to be at the last church meeting, we agreed unanimously that in the autumn, for a period running up to Christmas, we're going to effectively turn our services back to front. The children will go straight into Sunday school, where they will do their own worship and learning, And then towards the end of the service, they will come and join the adults for a sharing time. Now, this isn't put the kiddies up on stage so we can all go, oh, isn't that sweet? Oh, no, 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 no. It's much more subtle than that. It means the grown-ups will share with the children what they have been learning. That means you have to listen. And the children will share with us what they have been learning. And together, we will learn from each other. That is really important. But I think there's more to it than that. And here I'm speaking to some extent as a former Sunday school teacher. I taught Sunday school from when I was 14 until I was 30-something. So the better part of 20 years. So I have probably some qualification to speak about it. Sunday school is a work that goes on very much not seen hidden away in rooms that are often less attractive than those where the adults meet. It's carried out by people who are very busy and very tired, often under-resourced and sometimes undervalued. If we seriously care about our children and our children's work, then we must also take seriously the support, encouragement and equipping of our children's workers. For me, that means we need to take more seriously how we train and support our workers, make sure they have the best that they can have to do the job they do. There are some of our Sunday school teachers who at the moment are at a situation where they are needing to step down from some of that. So it's doubly important that we support those who continue the work and continue to grow perhaps new people to do that. But also, I want to go back to where I was three years ago and say, again, I think it's really important that I regularly go to Sunday school and work alongside the other adults as part of my role. I'm not the minister of the adults. I am the minister of the whole church from Max upwards. Now, there have been good reasons why we haven't managed to get that once a term me going into Sunday school thus far. But come the autumn, it will be written into the preaching plan 
and it will happen. If the children matter, they deserve all the best that we can have, even if that means me going and talking to them. So quite a lot of changes come the autumn. Why? Because Jesus valued the child and set the child at the centre. But it seems important to me that we as a church, adults and children, move to a position where we work on the same material, the same Bible stories, the same ideas, and explore them at our, in our own way, at our own level. And so for the adults, definitely, and I hope for the children as well, come the autumn we will be moving over to using the National Christian Education Council Roots material. There are some over there if you want to have a look at the kind of stuff it is. Um, adults, you're getting it, like it or not. So there you go. It's really important to me that the whole church works with the same material because that actually allows the conversations to take place. As the child comes back from Sunday school and says, we heard this story in Sunday school today. As Anita said, these big stories, interesting stories that help us to think about life. And the parents and the grandparents will say, do you know what? We heard that story too. It helps us all to realise we're in this together. I think it builds on that sense of togetherness. But secondly, Roots is a lectionary-based scheme, which means that through the course of the year, we cover all the major topics in the Old and New Testament of our faith. And that seems very important. It's really easy for me to slip into the things that I like, the things that I want to talk about. But if we use a scheme that we bring in from outside, we are forced to go to places we might be less sure about. But also, and I think this is important, it actually is helpful for busy leaders who are already stretched because they're supplied with lots of ideas that they can use as a jumping-off point for what they want to do. They haven't got to reinvent everything themselves. There are prayers provided for them. There are music suggestions provided for them. There are activity suggestions as well. Come Christmas we will pause and review how that's gone. Is this actually helping all of us to grow in our discipleship of children? Is it working for everybody? And it's not just a case of, yep, I like that. No, I don't like that. That's easy. That's hard. We will go back to that picture of Jesus setting the child in the middle The same Jesus who said to the adults, unless you become like a child, there's no place for you in my kingdom. We won't get it all right. I know that. I'm going to get some of it wrong and everybody else will get some of it wrong. And not everybody is going to like all of it or any of it. I know that too. But in all that we do, we are seeking to serve Christ. We are seeking to enable a new generation to discover for themselves the wonderful mystery of faith, the mystery of the triune God revealed in Jesus who is alive and active in our own time. We value our children. We have celebrated the work of our Sunday school this morning. 
But it's not just for one day a year. Every week, every Sunday, we should hold them in our hearts and in our prayers and treat them as Jesus taught them. We are here now at the moment when it is our privilege to render up prayers for others, to God, our Creator, and Father. At certain points I will say, God, in your mercy, and it would be a great help to me if you could respond with the words, hear our prayer. Let us pray. Father God, this is a special day for our community when we celebrate the children in our midst, in our lives, in our hopes for the future. Children we create as you created us. We marvel at the wisdom of those ancients who dared to address you, the unseeable God, all-powerful creator, as Father. And we know that in that concept was meant father and mother, the ultimate parent. As children, our first feeble understanding of you is through our relationship with our own earthly parents. By their love, understanding, patience, guidance and forgiveness, we see aspects of your divine parenthood. We ask your strength and love be poured down on the parents of children here and all over the world so that their example of parenthood be a good template for their children's own parenting, worthy of you. Lord, in your mercy, hear Hear our prayer. prayer. For those, and let us not forget them, let us not forget to pray for those parents unable to cope with their life-forming tasks, unable for whatever reason. Give them the grace to seek help that they might not pass on their negative example to generation after generation. And for those unblessed with children of their own, we ask understanding and support for those parents in their task in this time of social change and economic worry. Lord, in your mercy, we ask you to help us reach out and give aid to the thousands of children in our world who have no parents and are brought up by siblings who are themselves children. The task is immense. Let it not overwhelm our reserves of compassion. Show us the way to support such children. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Our children have food and clean water medical facilities and learning, opportunities for good and useful lives. Let us not be complacent and forget those who have none of these things, either through famine, wars, illness, 
and or the posturing selfishness of foolish rulers. Give your encouragement and strength of will to those dedicated folk who seek to alleviate the suffering of these lost children and to give them new hope for a future. Show us how to support them in their endeavours. Lord, in your mercy, give We think of those who teach our children, or try to. Some schools seem to have become battlefields littered with ever-changing curriculums and exam agendas, with teachers feeling reduced to daytime jailers or lion tamers or unacknowledged social workers, cut off from understanding and cooperation by the parents whose children they seek to inform. Let them know theirs is a vital profession, valued by us all, vital for the health and welfare of our children in schools and in the outside world. Wake up those in government who have power in these areas. Bid them take advice from the people who actually teach. Waken again in our children the desire for knowledge, for that can be the way out of the deserts of futility and lack of purpose we see all around us. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, you have given us so many marvellous people who assist in caring for children, nursery workers, nurses, doctors, police. Assure them their work is not in vain, no matter how huge the task. A child healed, a child saved, is a gift to God and to all of us. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in this place, in this time, we thank our Minister Katrina, who seeks always to include our children in our worship. We thank Anita and our Sunday school friends who make learning about you a joy for our children. We humbly ask that you renew and refresh them in their efforts and assure them of our appreciation. Lord, in your mercy. Finally, let us not forget to pray for those parents. No, pardon. Again, as to our darling children here present, help us to help them always walk hand in hand through life with God their Father, Secure in the knowledge that he understands all, forgives all, gives them the chance to make amends for all. God, in your mercy, hear And finally, Father, Mother, God, let us never forget, whether eight or eighty, we are all children in your sight. Help us to grow in love, and understanding of our fellow children, whatever age or class or colour they may be. Let us look without prejudice and charity on those whose beliefs and lifestyles are not ours. 
Let us not be quick to judgment and condemnation. Let us seek to give the same compassion and understanding shown by your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, who encouraged children to come to him at a time his disciples thought inconvenient and which makes us smile in rueful sympathy as we recall services when the laughter of children disrupted for a moment the solemnity of an occasion. Jesus could cope with such interruptions, and so can we. Jesus, who taught us to call you Father, and in whose name we dare to say, Father, Mother, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Amen. I wonder if the children would like to come and rejoin us for our, our last hymn. And I know the children will, after the last hymn, lead us in our blessing. You may have noticed, as you come into church, that we've got a tree that we made and we put out there uh, a few months ago. And it's our friendship tree. And come and have a wee look at it after the service. There's names of all our friends on it. We want to teach you a prayer that we use sometimes in Sunday school. It helps us think about thanking God for our friends. So we'll teach it to you once, we'll show it to you, then we'll ask you all to join in. You need to maybe adapt it for yourselves if you as you need to. So we go we, we turn around and shout out loud. Thank you, God, for our friends today. We hold hands and softly say. Thank you, God, for our friends today. So with us, everyone together. continue to be with us and those we love today and every day.